Welcome to the Missouri Wind and Solar Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Shank, coming to you from our store in Seymour, Missouri. Each week with my co-host and Missouri Wind's General Manager, David McDerris, we discuss the latest on renewable energy. Check out our additional educational information on our website at mwands.com. Thank you for downloading this podcast, and please subscribe. All right, well, welcome to the podcast today. Easily, this is becoming the most annoying podcast I think that we've ever had to keep fiddling with. This is the third start on this. So David and I are both kind of getting a little bit wore out about this subject. <laughs> so, But regardless, we shall persevere. Wanted to start off the podcast today with a direct order from Super Upper Management that we needed to discuss the upcoming workshop in February. It's February the 20th. 20th. Woo, good. I'm glad we recorded this again because I think we screwed that up before. Check out any of our social media sites. You'll see where you can register for it. It is an awesome hands-on opportunity. David and the sales team do a great job of teaching the different pieces of equipment that we have, how they come together. It's just a very thorough immersion into energy independence. And that's one of the big things that we want to teach here. And so if you've ever wanted to get into one of the types of energy that you don't have, let's just say you've got solar panels, but you're interested in wind and you wanted to come and lay your hands on a wind turbine, absolutely hands-on workshop that we do. You can take a look at the blade. You can take a look at the motor. We'll show you it in action here. It's just a great opportunity to come in and really expand your knowledge about your energy independence. And one of the big things too is right now the price is only $299 for a full day here in Seymour. The great thing about that is, is you also get a $250 in-store credit that day. So the workshop really only ends up being less than 50 bucks. And we can assure you that you'll get more than $50 worth of learning in that workshop. So register now, get a buddy, come together and spend a day with us. You can have a Subway sandwich with David. We'll even buy you a sandwich for lunch. That's right, you get a sandwich and a t-shirt, so it just doesn't get any better. And go ahead and get registered now. The price goes up here in a couple of weeks. This We're still in our early bird getting ready for it. And so check us out and get signed up. So we'll move into the podcast now, hoping that that Please the boss. And we are going to talk about, kind of back up and talk about the big picture on your energy independence. We talk about a lot of specific things on the podcast. I think I think that's what a lot of people enjoy, but we wanted to back up and kind of get a grander scheme when you're looking at how you want to achieve your energy independence, how we would help you do that. So David Starting off the podcast today, I think the first question to you is, what does a customer need to know when they call in to begin with and they're just ready to start out? What are the questions that you ask? What information do you start getting from them? And how do you help them plan their goal for energy independence? First thing we're going to ask is, what all are you looking to run? What are you looking to power? Next thing we're going to want to know is if this is going to be a standalone system, meaning There'll be no grid power. There'll be nothing else to help back it up. It will be off what we would consider off grid. And if that's so, then we we just figure out how we're going there. There again, off grid, on grid, or a 
combination of both. And then the next thing we're going to ask is about location, and that's just as important as the very first two that I ask. I mean, it's as a matter of fact, it can be more important in a lot of cases because there's times that wind turbines will be exactly what's needed, and there's going to be times that there's not that the wind turbine not might not be needed. I mean, so that's the first three questions we're going so to the ask. First one is kilowatts. Just right. come down Basically, to just how much you're going to use. Right, and if we were to look at just John and Susie Smith with, you know, 2.5 children's and an English sheepdog. What's that average home going to require? Average home in the United States is 40 kilowatts per day. Okay. So so we're going to say 40 kilowatts is the target. But if we're going off grid, we need some more than that, right? We need to store at least 80 kilowatts. At any point in time. At any point in time. And so we need to produce... How much per day then? We still typically only have to produce about the 40 because that's really what, not 40. You need to produce about 60 at that. You don't right. have to produce the full 80, but as, as you're using the 40 the next day, you have 20 that's building up and it's going to start filling that bank back up for that. So you need it a little oversized yeah. to, to be able to. Some people will do 80 and 80. Sam is the, the notion and, and will do it typically every time that he will he will match production to storage capacity all depends on situation again so that's what we're going to probably tell you on that if it's situational that this is your only source of power that would run very very well in line there's never really a reason to overproduce with solar panels if you don't have the production or the the storage capabilities of it so that's what you'd want to do there okay we've got our storage and usage once we kind of come together with that then the second thing we're going to get into is... What are you actually going to produce your renewable energy with? Is it going to be a hydro application? Are, we going to, you know, are you going to tell me that you have a good flowing creek on your place? Nope, I don't have any running water. Okay, are you in the middle of a field? Are you on a high point? Or do you have good average wind speeds? Nope, I'm down in the bottom of a valley. The trees are 80 foot on top of the hill, On even above that, get very, very little wind. But I do have a big open area that a lot of sunlight gets in. And at that, we we're going we're gonna to focus on solar. And maybe you're in the exact reverse of that. Maybe you have really good, good wind location, not real adapt for solar. Maybe the way that everything faces, it faces the wrong direction. It faces all to the north. You don't really have any much southern exposure. So we would then focus more on the wind wind side of the application. All right, so let's let's break that down. So if I had that typical family and typical needs, could I supply that full need with hydro? Let's start with hydro. Sure. Hydro always gets a backseat. So let's yeah. talk about. Yeah, so you definitely could with hydro if you've got a good water running source that you've designed your your water wheel on for our hydro generators. Yeah, I mean it could be as simple as two on a hydro generation unit that, that could produce everything you need for a... For, wow. Oh, that really is. Because hydro is 24-7. I mean, it is literally, you know, creating that energy just around the clock, you know. So I've seen a lot of applications. You know, you if you take a, a hydro wheel and you can get our turbine up to 800 RPMs, then you're going to be producing around 1,200 watts of power 24 hours a day. So, I mean, just you're actually going to produce more energy than the actual true 
40 kilowatts a day, each, each turbine will produce somewhere in around 28 kilowatts by themselves a day. You know, so there can be a lot of energy produced off one of those. That's amazing. So, so hydro is a, but you know, unfortunately, just the the good flowing creek that you're able to put the wheels in. That's just that's like finding the gold nugget in the in the bottom of the river. It's it's just tough to do. Not everybody going to find. And it. and even if you do have it, you might not be allowed to do yeah, it. Yeah, you too. might not I mean, be there's allowed. There's a lot of depending on the the area that you live in and so the regulations. You need to make sure about that. All right. What about wind? Can we do it all with wind? Sure. Wind, if you have an average 15-mile-an-hour wind, it takes about eight wind turbines to do it with that. Okay. And can we put eight wind turbines on a single tower? (laughs) No, not on a single tower. I mean, it it would be impossible. Well, I say impossible. Really, nothing's impossible, I guess. But I would tell you that it would not be feasible and would not. And I just would not recommend it. Okay. I mean, you'd want to do multiple towers. Okay. But that would be eight towers. They would need to be typically 40 feet. Yeah, about 40 foot in the air. Or at least 10 feet taller than anything. Yeah, or 10 foot taller than than the closest thing, 200 foot in any direction of it. Okay. So that's doable, but that would be be a lot. Be a lot. And solar, what do we need for solar? How many solar, panels are we talking about? Solar on, on 300 to 350 watt solar panels, you're going to need about 28. Okay. 28 stationary or 28? 28 on stationary. A- Tracking system, you can get away with, with about 21. Okay. And on a dual tracking system, so one that does north, south, east, north, west. North, south, east, west, you can get away with about 15. Okay. So big difference there. All right, so we kind of got the hard stops on all these. What now, I'm sure we've done all solar before. I don't know if we've done all wind before, and I don't know if we've done all hydro before. I think the bulk of what we do, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is some type of mix. Yeah. So what's the parameters for coming up with the mix? Well, the parameters coming up with the mix is every four panels is a turbine. If you said, I don't want to do eight turbines, I'd like to do four turbines. Well, then you need to take four times four and you're going to come up, then you're going to need 16 panels left. So that's about, that's going to be about the mix of it. So we'd say every, every one of our turbines will produce what four solar panels can produce in a day, you know, on that average 15 mile an hour wind. So we typically, instead of doing four, we typically do two and then we fill in with about 20 solar panels. Okay. You know, if we're doing a, a full on, off-grid, no, not off-grid, but grid tie going to try to just supplement our own power all of ourselves and then have that and that not need that big reserve because we're not totally off-grid. Things, if they need be, can kick to the grid, but it's going to be at a very, very minimal time frame that it would ever do that on. So now if you're going to be off-grid there again, we're probably going to need to do, you know, 40 panels and four turbines, you know, so we definitely need to be a little bit, you definitely need to, figure out your electric most people that are going off the grid totally off the grid they don't expect to use that 40 kilowatts that 40 kilowatts is based on it is the national average but a lot of that basis yeah that's a water heater that's that's yeah that's being all electric that's you know what heating your water heating your food heating your air cooling your air all everything done with electricity you know if you're going to be off grid most people are going to have some type of gas heat gas cook stove gas water heater and your energy usage will really, really go down. Matter of fact, most of the time it goes down between 
to between 10 and 12 kilowatts used per day because that's how much energy heating water food and air actually takes out of the grid system so okay it's a big factor all right so then we're moving into the last component i believe if i remember your list properly and that's location yeah yeah and that that's geographical geographical location that's right basically where do you live at in the united states first off i mean that's going to be you know because if you call me and you were you were west shank and you said yeah i live in georgia i'm probably going to start crossing the turbine off the list pretty quick unless unless you tell me something different unless i say i'm on, on the coast i'm on the coast i'm at the highest point i have measured my wind already i'm getting an average of 16 mile an hour Okay, I'm in it. I'm in it with you. You call me and say, no, I've lived in Georgia all my life, though. Wind blows harder here than anywhere else in, in the state. Okay, your wind's probably blowing eight mile an hour then because everywhere else blows four in Georgia. You know? <laughs> so you could double your wind and still You're making not. fun of Georgia, David. Just saying, Georgia's <laughs> not really good for wind. Northern <laughs> Alabama, horrible for wind. And anybody that's listening to this and from these areas, they know this as well. Mm. They, they know when they go outside – Air stagnant a lot of times. It doesn't have a lot of breeze to it. Doesn't have a lot of movement, and that's just what it is. But you need to make a wind turbine that runs on humidity. The cool, yeah, the cool thing about it is, is you do have ample amount of sunshine there, and so as long as you can cut those trees back, get away from any shading, you're going to have great production. You'll actually outproduce the the rest of the country down in that part of the country. So, how would you figure out what was optimal? So, let's say I'm here in in Webster County, Missouri. And I've got some great wind here, but I've also got a lot of, because we're on the plateau, it's pretty flat right here. be easy peasy to set out solar panels and trackers, that sort of thing. How would you decide what the optimal mix of the two is? And I came in, I said, hey, I don't don't care how we do it, but I want to get independent. Yeah, it all goes back to, if if you came in and said, I'm unhooking, I'm just, I'm cutting away from the grid. I'm going to probably go to that, scenario earlier where I'm going to put in two turbines and fill the rest in with panels, no matter what your needs are, uh, unless it was a really large amount. If it got over 60, I would go to three turbines. So for every 20 kilowatts of usage, I would put a turbine and I would fill the rest in with solar panels. So at 40, I would have two turbines. At 60, I would have three. At 80 kilowatts a day usage average, then I would have four and then filling everything else in with turbine. And what's the logic behind that? The logic behind that is sometimes the wind doesn't blow, and it is like today. We don't have a lot of wind out today, but it is super bright and super sunny. So in that situation, we're making a lot of good solar energy today. It's actually today here in Missouri. It's in the mid-70s, so it's actually at that range that it's supposed to be. For the solar panels, optimal running range is going to be around 72 degrees. So we're really close to that. And we're also very close to the uh, fall equinox. So at that, it just so happens that our solar panels today are set on the 37 degree, which is optimal for the optimal day is September 21st and March 21st is the optimal angle. That's the optimal angle for it. So today we're getting really good energy out of our solar system because that's what we have it set on. And so that's what we're going to look at. I mean, we're going to look at a couple more months. Yeah. A couple more months. That thing needs to be a lot more 
vertical. But we also pick up a lot more. But we're going to pick up a lot more wind you know, in a couple months. So so that's why we kind of offset that winter time. A lot of times you're having, I mean, it seems like it's blowing every day. And it blows a little bit harder in the, in the wintertime because you don't have the impedance of the trees and the leaves that wind doesn't stop, but it gets deflected. It gets pushed around. We talk about dirty wind. Yeah, and, and, and that's why when we say, you know, we need to be 200 foot away, by that time, it has time to reorganize, come back in on a good steady flow, which you need so your tail fin doesn't go to jumping one way and the other. And then also it gives a good solid directly into the center of the actual turbine. And if you come to the actual show that we're going to put on, you'll see that a wind turbine doesn't, it doesn't catch wind. You know, a lot of people think that wind turbines catch wind and they do not catch wind. They are it works more to the the airplane blade. The wind deflects off the blade and Screwing causes its way through the right and causes the screw effect. And so the cleaner wind I have, it's going to be more direct into the center of the blades. And that, it's interesting you bring that up because I think I think it was Sam was talking with somebody the other day, and they were talking about trying to explain the idea of dirty wind. And Sam used the example of a river or or yeah. some type of water yeah. flowing where. If you're a fisherman or anything like that, an experience where the currents in a river, and correct me where I go off the rails on this, but I mean, basically, you've got water moving at different speeds in there, and it'll make your boat do weird things. Right, right. And if there's anything in impeding that water flow, it's really going to cause it to get funky. So, if, say there happens to be a submerged rock in the river, and then you see and, and you think, why, what? There's a there looks yeah. like a backflow there that the water looks like it's that it's going down the river and all of a sudden it's back, it looks like it's turning and coming back on itself. That's that rock that's blowing. It, it's impeding that airstream. It's, it's the same thing it, with wind. that water that you know. So yeah, so you put that tree out in the middle. You know, it's it's impeding that wind stream just like the the stream was being. You know, there's a reason it's called airstream. It's even though air is. We don't feel like that we can touch it unless you do live in Georgia and Alabama, and then it feels like you can touch it all the time because it's so human. <laughs> have know, a slice of there, air. There is, it does have some some resistance against it, you know. So anything that, that changes that airflow can really cause major effects on a wind turbine, you know. And so when we talk about doing multiple turbines, you know, you'll as you do these, you want to make sure, you know, you don't just set one six foot away from the next one because of three little turbines right, in a row. Yeah, because of, the wind deflecting off the first one is going to—it's going to change the airflow to the next two behind it, you know. So one of them's always producing good, but the—and it could be that that all three of them are producing good, but it could be that only one's producing good, and the rest of them are basically in, in, in an air wash is what they would be in, you know. So, so we really, you know, recommend that you stay away from from doing that and place your towers accordingly, you know. So are there? large geographical areas where we just say no don't do this yeah down in the southeast wind is kind of a no-no southeast there again unless you're on the coastlines it's kind of a no-no wind is just not going to be real effective for you the solar we're going to tell you anything south dakota and above is is going to start getting really summertime is going to be great i mean you're going to get a lot of going to get a lot in the summertime but wintertime's not going to be now if you're grid tying it's going to balance itself out from because what you didn't get in the summertime you will get in the or in the wintertime you will get back in the summertime so it'll balance itself out but 
If you're off grid, we want to really be make we want to really make sure that and like in North Dakota, South Dakota, that's where we go heavy on wind and, and light on and light on solar. You know, so okay, um, we definitely. But there's just some places. I mean, if you there again, if you live somewhere bottom of the valley, you know, tall trees standing, you know, fairly close to the house all around. You know, wind is just not the option. Put in more solar. You can still get the same results, but if you're off grid, unless you're just in a very bad location for wind, I would almost recommend always have a wind turbine in an off grid system. Just the insurance policy. Yeah, insurance. And even if you just get, you know, 500 watts a day out of it, at least it was a little bit of energy that you were getting out of it. I mean, you've always got, you know, Maybe it's charging that cell phone. Maybe it's charging those flashlights. Maybe it's running that laptop. You know, it's doing something, you know, that that the solar might not be able to, you know. And it may be able to do that on a on a day that, that the solar just couldn't give you anything, you know. So Okay. What other what sub notes do we have? So we got the three big things. What else do we need to take into consideration? That's about all you need to really take into consideration is your location, just look like you said, geographically on a map, I mean, where, whereabouts are you located in the United States? You're in the southwest, southeast, midwest, northeast, northwest. I mean, just kind of depending, you know, if you get over around into Washington, get off into the in the big heavy, you know, not rainforest, but almost, you know, rainy situations. I mean, solar's probably not going to be the best there. Wind is probably going to do a better job for you there. So, Well, now, what about what about maintenance as, a, as a, an issue? I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Are either one of them good for me, or do I need to be like... Solar is better if... Solar takes less maintenance. Wind doesn't take a ton of maintenance. It takes a two-time-a-year commitment, really, is what it takes. Solar, if you're going to change your angle, it either takes a 12-month commitment of changing it monthly, a quarterly commitment, or... Solar tracker. Solar tracker, (laughs) yeah. Which is by far the easiest, because it does it for you. So... If you're somebody that does not like heights, cannot get up in the lift, then the wind turbine's not for you. Or have a way to, to raise a tower up and down without having to get in it like a cherry picker or something of that nature. Where solar is, you know, it, it can be more at the ground level. You don't have to install this on your roof. A lot, So many people think, well, I've got to put this on my roof, you know, and you don't. I mean, you can ground mount it. You can build, you can build a rack. You can buy the solar tracking system. Yeah. Just so happens that's kind of your biggest unused area is yeah, the, the roof. Yeah, the roof is, yeah, it's typically, you, you know, you just think I'm never going to be up there to hurt it anyway, so I'll go put it up there. That's great, so long as the, the orientation is correct, you know, with the sun as far as being directly to the south, that's great, you know. So but, Okay. All right, we good? Well, yep. I think we got this handled? That one's good. All right, well, thank you all for tuning in, and we'll keep bringing you episodes. You keep listening to us, all 11 of you listeners out there. <laughs> we appreciate you very much. Hope to see you at the workshop in February. Thank you. Thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast today. If you have a question that you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast, email us at radio at mwands.com. You can follow us on our website, mwans.com, or subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Check out our store at mwans.com and buy some stuff. Buying stuff allows us to continue to produce our educational broadcasts, like our podcasts and YouTube videos. And most importantly, it keeps Lucy's Doggy Chicken Treats coming. Thanks again.